0: Welcome to the Sports & Torts Podcast, your go-to podcast for entertaining conversations on sports, law, and business. This podcast is powered by the Jay Stein Law Firm, a personal injury law firm in Atlanta, Georgia. And now, here is your host, Joshua Stein.
1: What's up, everybody? I hope everyone out there is doing well and enjoying the holiday season. We have a first on Sports & Torts today. We have our first international guest joining the podcast. Yes, we are taking the sports and torts party overseas. My friend Omar Valdmarzen is joining us live from his beautiful home country of Iceland. Omar is a lawyer in Iceland, and I met him and his family over the summer when we were staying at the same hotel in Costa Rica. Omar is a great guy. And it is super interesting to hear him talk about life in Iceland and how laws work in Iceland and what it is that he does for a living. I traveled to Iceland in 2019 with my friends, and I can tell you firsthand that Iceland is as great as it comes. So put it on your travel list, and I hope you enjoy listening to my conversation with Omar as much as I enjoyed having it. My man, Omar. How you doing today, buddy? Yeah, I'm doing really good. And you? It is. It is so great to see you. Um, We are recording remotely across the ocean. You are in Iceland. That is your home country. Correct. Um,
0: This is working pretty good. You hear me? I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The sound is really amazing, actually. So, yeah, it's really good. Technology Technology is. Yeah. Only one ocean away.
1: Only one ocean away. The technology (laughs) is is amazing. Um, You see I'm wearing your shirt you sent me. Uh, yes. you'll be hearing from from my lawyer um, with your name. I appreciate <laughs> that that stuff that you sent me. So you're a lawyer in Iceland. I introduced you briefly, um, but uh, you also have now the distinguished title as the first international guest on this sports and tours podcast.
0: Well, I'm, I'm really honored. I really appreciate that, Joshua.
1: <laughs> <laughs> How's the podcast game in Iceland? Do people listen to them? Do are there podcasters there?
0: Yeah, yeah, there's actually quite a few podcasts. There's obviously the you know your average variety of uh, news uh, podcasts and you know daily daily occurrences, and then uh, there's you know the crime podcasts and you know and uh, all all kinds of uh, niche pro- podcasts. But obviously, sport podcasts are quite quite popular as well.
1: Awesome. Well, I'm looking for the Iceland spike in downloads on sports and torts this week. Um, I actually have been listened to in 33 different countries. So um, the international oh, wow. brand is growing, Omar. What can I tell you?
0: Definitely. You'll be adding a country in the, uh, onto that list very soon. I can tell you that.
1: <laughs> well, look, I mentioned the opening that you and me, your family, my family, we met over the summer in Costa Rica. Uh, yeah. We were both vacation there with our children, about the same age. We had the pleasure of being at the same hotel at the same mm-hmm. time, and just really hit it off. So, family's yeah. doing
0: good. Your girls are doing good. Yeah, awesome, actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, like I mentioned earlier, it's uh, my 15th wedding anniversary today. But my wife she's spending it at home sick, so so uh, I'm just uh, still turning the uh, the midnight oil in, in Iceland. We're five hours ahead of you guys, so uh, <laughs> it's coming to the end of the day soon.
1: Well, I appreciate you gifting me an hour on your anniversary day. Tell your lovely wife I appreciate that as well. So it's what, is it 1,500 hours? Is
0: that is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, yeah, 3, 3 p.m.
1: So the, the care package y'all sent us was great. Uh, we appreciate all the Icelandic uh, candy and food, uh, the <laughs> game, that Heckmet game you sent that the kids love. You know, Graham loves that game because one of the rules is the youngest kid gets to go first. right right (laughs)
0: he's all excited because he goes first every time um
1: and then this vodka you sent over brett brett Brennan, am i saying that right
0: yeah 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 it's it's like it's it's not really a vodka but it's like it's hard liquor and uh, made from from uh, potatoes and it's supposed to be pretty good
1: it is good is that the main spirit that y'all y'all drink in iceland
0: no, it's probably one of the oldest hard, hard liquors that we have here. But uh, most people probably go now for, uh, you know, a little bit more uh, distinguished brands like uh, some sorts of gin and uh, vodka or, or rum or something like that.
1: Got it. Now, you are, you are born and raised, born and bred Iceland, right? Yep, yep, yep. That's right. Yeah. So give a little um, about your background, kind of your family, what part of the country you live in and just kind of what life is like in Iceland.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I, I'm I'm uh, I'm 45 years old, born in Reykjavik, uh, which is the capital of, of Iceland, and uh, you know the majority of the of the of the population lives in Reykjavik and surrounding areas, and uh, I live in one of the suburban towns in uh, outside of Reykjavik, uh, and uh, yeah, my father was a journalist, and my mother was a a, a hairstylist, and uh, you know for the um, I I, I uh, my life was pretty uneventful, just like uh, any kid's life, I guess, uh, for the first few years of my life. Uh, I, I started out not doing law; I started out doing journalism. I worked for uh, a various, uh, a few uh, Icelandic publications uh, during my uh, uh, during my college years. And then, I after I graduated uh, college, uh, I uh, started off doing PR. And then I shifted into uh, uh, in, uh, then I shifted into uh, working for Bloomberg News uh, in, uh, in uh, well that's uh, owned by Michael Bloomberg in New York. And uh, yeah, and after that I shifted into law while, while working for Bloomberg as well. You you moved in the to the states for a while
1: with Bloomberg, right? When you're doing your uh, journalism work, and did you do some, some schooling over here too?
0: Yeah, well, I did. I did my degree. I did my uh, BS degree in uh, Suffolk University and Emerson College in in uh, Boston. So I, I was there from '99 uh, until 2002, and then I went back home, did a little work, did did a, a master's degree in international relations in in London, and then I came back and and did this uh, PR stuff that I had had for a few years. In 2008, not... in 2008, all the Icelandic banks imploded. Uh, the, the, it was a total economic mess, like in most of, most parts of parts of the world. And I was running a small PR company, which obviously went slightly up overnight as all the Icelandic banks collapsed. So I I, I figured, you know, what am I supposed to do with my life now? <laughs> Nobody's going to buy PR work uh, when when the economy is t- taking a hit. So uh, I thought I can either be an accountant or, 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 or a lawyer, because uh, these are two professions that kind of have enough going for them, to, whether it's good times or hard.
1: So what's it like going to law school in, um, in Iceland? Because here we go four years undergraduate to be able mm-hmm. to uh, apply to a then three-year law school. Um, once, you, once you graduate in law school, you take a bar exam that then gives you a license to practice. How does that work in Iceland?
0: Well, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit different. It's, uh, so you do a three-year BA degree in, in law, and then you do a, two, a two-year ML degree as a master's degree, and then you, you, you can qualify for the bar exam, and you have to pass the bar exam as well to be able to, uh, to practice law. Well, uh, not practice law, so, so you can argue cases before court. You can practice law without uh, having been admitted to the bar, but you can't argue cases.
1: So as long as the person will, will hire you to represent them, you can do that as long as it doesn't involve some sort of court appearance. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. So you take the test and then you, if you pass, are there firms that you look to get hired by? Is it is there enough by big firms there to, to hire people or how does that first job end up working?
0: Well, uh, it, 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 it can be quite hard to break into the market. Uh Obviously, a lot of people they do uh, some work uh, alongside uh, schools, so they get uh, introduced to, to the law uh, the, the law firms and uh, there's obviously a lot of government institutions that might be able to hire you or municipalities. Uh, and then after that, uh, uh, you 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 are after you, after you pass the bar, you can actually uh, start practicing immediately if you want to. But it, it can be quite difficult to start right right off the bat after you finish law school and, and pass the bar with hardly any real experience in, in how it actually works in practice.
1: What what kind of cases or areas of law are kind of available and, and hot? I mean, he, you know, in America, you've got your civil cases, you've got mm-hmm. criminal cases where someone commits a crime. I know that Iceland's crime is very low. We can talk about that mm-hmm. in a little bit, but I imagine there's not much criminal kind of law going on. You can work for the government. There's business law you can do. What are some of the areas that that are practice of law in Iceland?
0: Well, if if you're a lawyer in Iceland, you kind of have to be a jack of all trades because uh, it's such a small market. It's a population of three hundred and sixty, eighty thousand. 80,000. So uh, so there's there's not a lot of people to go around, but uh, there's a, there's plenty of lawyers. We have probably over a thousand qualified lawyers uh, that have have been admitted to the bar. Uh, so. Uh, uh, like for for example, my focus is 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 largely on tort and criminal cases. But although that uh, there's there's not a lot of uh, the crime rate is relatively low, you have these small cases as well, which can also pay the bills. So uh, I, uh, we have a saying here at, at my law firm that uh, you have to appreciate that crumbs are also bread. <laughs> Say that again. <laughs> crumbs are also bread. Trumps are also red. There you go. There you go.
1: So um, jack of all trades, meaning that if someone calls you about a certain type of case, um, there's not really a niche practice you focus on. If, if they have a legal problem, you're going to figure it out so you can service them because as you said, uh, there's just not as much volume of legal needs and there's lots of lawyers to serve them. Is that, is that accurate?
0: Yeah, that's that's correct. That's correct. <laughs> Obviously, if it's something uh, very specialized, and I know that there's a lawyer that does really good work in that field. I would obviously refer them to that lawyer instead of taking it on. But if it's, it, it's if it's relatively simple, I, I would obviously take it on.
1: So of course, I live in Georgia, and there's a uh, a, a Georgia bar where there's members of the Georgia bar that are um, you know uh, able to practice in Georgia. That's kind of my network of people, and then you shrink it down even more in Atlanta. There's a network, and then the county I live in, there's a network. Mm -hmm. Does it work that way in Iceland too, where it's like all a thousand lawyers you kind of know or know of, or somewhat in your sphere of people who you do work with or come across? Yeah, it's,
0: it's, this is a very small pond. And uh, so you, you kind of, if, if you don't know them, you definitely know someone that does know them and uh, (laughs) they might even be your cousin (laughs) or, or something like that. So it's a, it's a, it's a really, really small, uh, uh, really small market. So you, you always, if, if, if it, very seldom, you hear a name of a lawyer that you've never heard before. And I saw
1: on your bio that you're a member of this AEA international lawyers network. What is that?
0: Well, that's actually quite, quite new. Uh, and uh, I would encourage you to join as well. It's just a, it's a, it's a little club of lawyers that uh, have a, have a few get togethers and, uh, Every once in a while, uh, the next one is going to be in May in uh, Vienna, in Austria. Uh, they're they're going to do a networking meeting and uh, to talk about uh, the marketing of law firms. So I, I, I saw I came across it on the net and I applied it and I thought it, it might be, if nothing else, I'll, I'll get a I'll get a company-paid trip to Vienna. I think I think
1: you had me at hello. So are you and me meeting up in Vienna in May to go to this conference and meet sure. all these other international
0: superstar lawyers who you know? Definitely. It sure sounds like it. I hear they have really good beer in Vienna.
1: I spent, uh, I spent six weeks in Innsbruck, Austria, for a summer abroad program. I can confirm, uh, well, my parents are listening, so maybe they shouldn't hear this, but I can confirm that, uh, <laughs> that the beer over there is very good. Um, so you mentioned you have your own firm, right? Um, yeah. when did you start that what kind of what's the setup like office structure you know employees that kind of stuff
0: right uh so it's a, it's a relatively small firm it's uh, me and six employees uh two of uh two of which are are, are uh like doing 50 uh, percent work so it's like five actual full jobs uh plus me uh it's uh it's a small office uh me and one other uh, bar-admitted bar lawyer. And then, uh, like I said, two, two, uh, two law students that do 50% work. And then uh, uh, three lawyers that are qualified but not uh, not admitted to the bar.
1: What's, what's a typical work week like in Iceland? Is it the nine to five that yeah. we kind of hear of here? Um, are there billable hours that are expected of people? How does that work?
0: Mm, yeah, well, uh, we it, it's it's a little bit. I, I expect it to be pretty much the same uh, in other markets, but uh, uh, a lot of the work that you put in today, you, you you can't expect to get paid for maybe a year. For example, in criminal cases where the government pays for the defendant, uh, you do a lot of work, and then you, you, you like for example, I have one now, in, one guy now in protective custody, and. Uh, uh, so it, that takes up a lot of the time because you're not only the, uh, his lawyer, but also his uh, confidant and uh, his uh, psychologist and shrink and and you know a shoulder to cry on. So uh, only maybe thirty percent of the of the of the work you do for that uh, for an individual that's in protective custody has to do with law. Uh, so, but. I can't expect to get anything paid during the uh, uh, du- uh, while the investigation is going on. I can only expect to get paid once the uh, the trial in the uh, district court is finished. And then and
1: that will be on a on a criminal matter. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you mentioned that the government, um, do they they provide a lawyer or they provide a defense for people charged with crimes? Is that across the board 100 percent of the time?
0: Yeah, but uh, they, they, it, it, you might have a different price structure than the one that the government is willing to uh, accept. So you might charge, like my law firm, we charge about uh, $400 an hour with tax. Uh, the government char- uh, uh, allows you to bill them at maybe 250 per hour. But it's it's kind of silly because uh, what what winds up happening is is lawyers usually exaggerate the uh, the, the hours that they spend on case and in the hope that they can get full compensation and the government expect them to exaggerate so they always cut the cut the base in half <laughs>
1: it's 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 interesting to say that because i used to do in i used to work for insurance companies it was a similar system where you had your billable rate you would agree to a rate with the insurance company that's less than that because you were guaranteed business and guaranteed a volume of work and so on and so mm-hmm. forth. And then there was a problem. I mean, my firm, I will say we, we didn't do this, but there are people that would inflate their bills knowing it would just get, get cut down. Uh, mm-hmm. insurance companies knew to cut them down and then I guess the thought process would be, it would get you back to what you wanted to get to. But, um, yeah. I guess that's the same as with the government. So as someone gets yeah, accused definitely. of the crime, they can, they can choose if they want to hire someone like you privately I guess, or going through the, um, the government. And is the government just assigned them a lawyer? Or how does that work?
0: No, uh, basically, if you're accused of a crime, you are entitled to legal representation of your choosing. And uh, so you can choose any lawyer. And uh, then if, if that lawyer accepts it and you don't do like uh, uh, an additional agreement where you say, well, wherever I can not charge the government, I'm going to bill you. Uh, if, if, if there's no such agreement, uh, like a private agreement between you and the client, you're just going to get the rate paid by the government. And uh, if you're a if criminal defendant, you can choose any lawyer you want, as long as the uh, lawyer accept uh, accepts those terms. However, uh, there there is a uh, is a, a a statute in the law that says that if you are appointed as a lawyer of a criminal defend, defendant, you have to accept the appointment. But in reality that doesn't really happen. If you don't like, for example, I do not take on cases that of, of accused child molesters uh, or people that are accused of, of harming animals. It's just not something I wanna do. And I would never, if a, if a judge would say that to me that I was supposed to take on a case and I would, uh, I would explain that to him, he would never hold me to it.
1: Understood. Are the judges pretty reasonable over there? And you can say yes, if you think they're listening, so that you can uh, actually stand on <laughs> their good side.
0: Yeah, well, uh, some of them are very very reasonable. Most of them are well, all of them almost are, are very intelligent. But obviously, there's a lot of judges, and, and uh, none of them are perfect. So.
1: <laughs> we have we have like a um we have local courts in counties, and then we have state courts in states, and then we have mm-hmm. like federal courts that do um, uh, uh, nationwide stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have, of course, the Supreme Court, Court of Appeals. Do you all have that kind of a tier structure where there's multiple levels of a court system?
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a three-tier system. So uh, it starts at the district court level, and uh, there's there's a district court in each part of the country. And then uh, any case that uh, y- you want to uh, get a second opinion on, you, you throw it up to the appeals court. And uh, if you're not happy with the outcome of the appeals court, you can apply to the Supreme Court. For hearing, but uh, the Supreme Court only takes uh, on cases that are of, uh, of, of, of great public concern or, or have to do with constitutional matters.
1: Yeah, that's In, similar to how we have our set up. Is there a yeah. jury system at that, th- at that first district level?
0: No, afraid not. I, 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 that, that would actually be really interesting. But uh, one of the arguments against it has always been that we're such a small country, such a small population that it would be difficult for us to uh, have a, a jury system without everybody knowing the uh, the defendant or one side of the case.
1: Like, when yeah. when the lawyers stand up and say, does anybody on this panel know so-and-so, every hand would go up or enough would go <laughs> yeah. up where it would be impossible to strike a jury. I get it. That's so right. when, you, when you're presenting your case, it's always mm-hmm. presenting to a judge. And does that judge serve as both like the arbiter of the law in terms of deciding what what's the law going to be and then finding the ultimate Finder uh, of fact as well.
0: Uh, well, uh, the, 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 it's different uh, in uh, if it's a criminal or a civil case. In in civil case, the the, the judge only decides on the facts that are presented to him. So uh, he he hears both arguments and whatever you know he, he doesn't he doesn't rule on on matters of of law if it's outside of the boundaries of 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 what the uh, the the two defendants or the the, the two sides have. Have put before the judge uh, in the criminal case in the criminal side they they are bound by the by the uh, the rule of truth so they, they they are trying to seek out the truth but they can't uh, they they can't so uh, they can only uh, find someone guilty of something that they have been accused of exactly in the in the in the uh, indictment they can't go out they uh, can't go uh, outside the bounds of the indictment
1: is the rule of truth you mentioned is that um, like a statutory phrase, or is that something that y'all are, are kind of saying it has, has to be a you know, they got they got to follow what, what the, the facts are and for the truth, or is that something that's very specific?
0: Uh, no, the rule of truth is basically that uh, the, the the sole uh, the sole role of the judge in a criminal case is to find out what actually happened. Not, uh, uh, that's not the not the case in civil cases. That's just uh, they just look at the facts that are presented to them by both sides. And, and this is and then, this is something that comes out of the. Uh, this is also p- part of the uh, European Court of uh, European Convention of Human Rights, which is uh, mandated into law is, is prescribed into law in Iceland.
1: Got it. And then, does the judge, if the person is found guilty of the crime that he was he or she was accused of, is there like a, a jail sentence that could follow, or a fine, or what are some of the penalties that are um, available? Yeah.
0: Uh, well, when, when they uh, issue their ruling in criminal cases, they also issue a ruling on the sentence as well. So there's not a special sentencing hearing afterwards. So it's just, uh, uh, you know, one session where they issue the ruling and tell, tell you how much jail time you have to do. Okay. And uh, Iceland's uh, penal system is not exactly very tough. Uh, if, if for, uh, like, uh, first-degree homicide. You probably would never get more than eighteen to twenty years for homicide. Yeah, never more than that.
1: Uh, How many of those happen in a year, though, in Iceland?
0: Mm, mm, two, three, maybe. Not two more or three. Than that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we, I don't, I don't want to go too down this, you know, uh, this issue. Me and you talk probably. about it a lot in Costa Rica, just the difference in kind of mm-hmm. crime in the Mm -hmm. states versus crime and iceland and like what do we do about it but that's amazing Mm -hmm. that that entire country y'all have two or three of those a year and then the punishment you'd think isn't like here in in, in the states it would be life in prison or even worse Mm -hmm. um y'all's deterrence is less yet the crime is also less so we'll say that for another day but i just want to point that out um now the civil cases that you handle like if there's Mm -hmm. a car wreck or someone gets injured Mm-hmm. How does that work? If if well, if two if a car runs a red light runs into somebody, someone gets hurt. Walk well, me through that.
0: Well, uh, okay. So uh, uh, there's a, there's a mandated insurance on old cars in Iceland, and so if if and if if you are for some reason not insured, there's a there's a there's a another kind of system that kind of catches you. So if you get injured in a car accident by a car that's not in, uh, insured, you you're, you're still going to get compensated. So anyone that's involved in a car crash, uh, whether they're at fault or not, they're going to get compensated for uh, for bodily harm. Uh, and uh, uh, that's, uh, that, that's regardless of who's at fault or whether it's any fault at all.
1: Let me stop you right now because mm-hmm. I stopped you when you said this to me over the summer and my friends <laughs> listening that do this kind of work are going to lose their minds. So if you cause a car wreck and you are injured, mm-hmm. you are eligible for compensation under Icelandic law,
0: yeah, unless that you were, uh, unless it's like uh, uh, you were uh, intoxicated, you can, or, or uh, you, there was some some reason for you that uh, you were driving completely recklessly, doing 150 in a 30 zone, something like that. So you can lose that right, but if it's just an accident, if you just get blinded by the sun and you run a red light and you crash into another car, and it's just it's just an accident not really somebody at fault, uh, you're definitely going to get compensation.
1: Are there hearings to determine if someone did this intentionally or if they were like that level of recklessness where it wasn't just an accident or is that just kind of like everybody understands what the standards are and people live by them?
0: No, well, you, you, these cases often find their way, uh, way to the courts. Uh, so uh, this, uh, the way it works is that you have a car accident and you fi- uh, file, a, file an application for damages with the insurance company and uh, then you have to wait for uh, about a year. Uh, when we uh, there's there's a term in Icelandic law called the stability point, so uh, which is about a year after you have an accident, then then it can be determined that you're unlikely to get much better or much worse. And then you can get evaluated by it's usually a doctor and uh, and a lawyer, and they evaluate how much how much bodily harm you had. And, uh, and then the insurance company pays uh, according to a calculation from the Icelandic Trust law. But sometimes the insurance company refuses to pay. And then you can, uh, then you can uh, the, the first uh, first step you would take is probably file it with a, a, like a governmental committee, which is a point, uh, has appointments both from the government and also from the insurance companies. That takes on the case and and, and decides on the on, on the uh, causes and uh, and who's at fault and whether or not the, the insurance companies are liable. And uh, if you if the insurance company for some reason doesn't want to uh, if either party for some reason doesn't want to uh, uh, accept the uh, the outcome, they can take it to the court system and then it's just district court and a peace court. So
1: there's a formula. There's a table that's that's kind of. Um, understood as, as being used to submit the case to the insurance company. They look at it, they accept it or don't. And mm-hmm. then is a settlement reached? If, if, if the two parties agree on what that number is yeah, and then the yeah. case is settled, they pay the money. And then if someone's not reached, then you go to court and then does a the judge determine what the proper compensation is? Yep.
0: Yeah, yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. That's exactly who are, the way. It who goes. are the
1: main, who are the main insurance players over there? I mean, we've got state farm, all state progressive Geico for car insurance stuff. Who, who are y'all's players?
0: Well, there, there are four large insurance companies in Iceland. Uh, none of them are international. Uh, you know, they're uh, they're called Valþingaféllar, Íslands, Sjóa, Almenar, and Tjúngamnistein. But this 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 just sounds like mumbo jumbo to you, I guess. So I could be speaking Greek or Chinese.
1: I'm assuming you're speaking Icelandic. I,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, but these are just tiny, tiny insurance companies on on. Uh, on the American scale. So uh, yeah, just tiny, tiny companies. Gotcha.
1: Large are there, are there like slip and fall cases where if someone falls in a business and gets hurt, they've got a claim against that business for it.
0: Yeah. Um, if you fall outside the building and uh, the owner of the building didn't take care of uh, making sure that it was uh, slip safe, you can actually uh, file a lawsuit against the owner. But uh, uh mm, you, you can't expect to get a lot of money out of it uh, because uh, you know uh, judges who would decide on the case they would probably say you should just been more been more careful, you know.
1: Right. What about medical malpractice cases against doctors or hospitals mm-hmm. or physicians? We see a lot of that in the states.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's quite. We have quite a few cases like that, and uh, also obviously that. Uh, it's uh, it's always because uh, in terms of law and in terms of business, it's always good to have cases where you have somebody else pay. So, so for medical mal- mal- malpractice, it's always going to be the insurance company that's going to be winding, you know, winding up paying the bill. And uh, you know, in criminal cases, it's going to be the government. And in car accidents, it's going to be the uh, the, uh, the, uh, the insurance companies.
1: Does, does the same system of no fault – um, is that with medical cases too, like against a hospital or a doctor, or is there a burden of proof that you have to show that the hospital did something wrong?
0: Uh, well, it, it, it's, it depends. If it's a private uh, pri- a private practice uh, doctor, uh, because we have national health insurance in, in Iceland, so everybody, there's free health care, or, or, you know, so, so to speak, free, free health care. Uh, if you go into a governmental institution and you have... Uh, you take out your appendix or something and something goes wrong during the operation. And, uh, you, you, could, uh, you, you should have gotten a better care, uh, than you got. You are entitled to, to damages regardless of whether someone was at fault or not. But if, if, for example, uh, if, if it's like a, a, a brow lift or something, if you have a Botox injection and, uh, there's something unique about you, you could probably, uh, it could, could be a harder thing to to, to get compensation out to the doctor than than in the other cases. The way
1: that you would bill, uh, mm-hmm. we do contingency fee work, mm-hmm. meaning that we only get paid on these injury cases if we are successful and it's a percentage of it. If you're comfortable, how, how does that work on injury stuff? Is it also by the hour or do you have a similar contingency type of a system?
0: Uh, well, uh, it, it's usually... Uh, no win, no fee. Uh, unless we think the case is completely unwinnable or, or, or unlikely to be successful, and the client is adamant that he still wants to press ahead, uh, then we will probably charge the client and they will probably pay a, 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 like a, an upfront fee. Uh, but... Uh, no. We, uh, in my law firm, for example, we charge uh, 15% uh, of, of whatever damages you get paid plus VAT, and VAT is 24%. 24%. And then we also claim uh, take whatever the, the insurance company pays directly to the lawyer as well, uh, uh, which is a sum that you would not receive if you would uh, take your claim as a private individual to the insurance company.
1: Is VAT the taxes?
0: Yeah, yeah, value-added tax. Yeah,
1: Got it. So we first met because I, we, you said you're from Iceland mm-hmm. um, and I told you how me and my friends went there a couple of years ago. Yeah, um, We went in 2019. Uh, one of my fondest trips that I've ever been on, love Iceland. Uh, we went in the summer where the weather was beautiful. Right now mm-hmm. it's December. Um, what kind of weather are you looking at?
0: <laughs> well, it's, it's dark. It's dark a lot, a lot of the time. Uh, so, uh, we're, you know, it's we're getting closer to winter solstice on on December 22, and uh, on that day, it's probably going to be like four hours of daylight. So it's kind of, high, but it's really both dark and cold. So it's, uh, you know, it's usually overcast. So even those four four hours of sunlight aren't exactly bright. So- As
1: opposed to when I was there in June, I guess it's called the summer solstice. It was yeah. like for 20. 20- 24 hours, 23 hours. I mean, it was, it was all night long, right?
0: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. It only, the sun only dips slightly below the horizon during, during those long summer nights. And so compare
1: kind of like the, the country's activities or your family's activities from like this time of year where, you know, I'm assuming they're in school and it's only mm-hmm. light a few hours a day. It's cold versus mm-hmm. the summer when mm-hmm. for those few days or few weeks, it's, it's light all the time. Like what's the difference in how y'all live?
0: Well, uh, obviously, like uh, we have a big backyard, so the backyard become and the patio become an extension to to the indoor living area in, in the summer. Uh, while in the in the winter, we you know you don't go out as much. But when you do, you do obviously. You can do skiing and skating and stuff like that and winter activities. And uh, uh, Iceland is uh, it's, it's such a small country and such a small city that I'm living in that. Uh, uh, getting into into nature is really easy. You know, you only have to dry like ten minutes, and then you're almost in wide open wilderness spaces. So uh, a lot of the activities involve or, uh, involve going out and 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 uh, getting involved in nature, hiking or, or climbing or skiing. I do some hunting with my friends, so we we shoot uh, geese and ptarmigans, which is like a like a fowl, like uh, yeah. So uh, we do some shooting as well, and then uh, as well uh, uh, in, in the in the autumn you can uh, go out out to East Iceland and and shoot reindeer as well. So it's uh, it's it's if if you if you want to live in Iceland and want to enjoy everything that Iceland has to offer, you kind of need to have an active lifestyle.
1: Are most people that live in Iceland from Iceland? I mean, is it is it is it you know decades and generations of folks that have been born there and stayed there?
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a very homogeneous population uh, and uh, used to be, uh, we're getting more broad-minded, but it used to be very xenophobic as well, I'm afraid to say. But uh, yeah, obviously with, uh, with the world turning uh, more open and open and uh, the population, uh, uh, we get quite a few immigrants and uh, there's, a, there's a huge Polish population in Iceland which assimilates extremely well. There's a lot of Lithuanians, and uh, as well, and uh, we have uh, uh, quite a few Filipinos, and uh, so uh, I think about uh, 15% of the po- of, of the population is, is not born in Iceland.
1: You mentioned 360,000 people. Is that
0: yeah, 360, around the- 380, something like that.
1: So in comparison, I live in Cobb County, which is a county that is just outside of Metro Atlanta. Um, mm-hmm. We have seven hundred and fifty thousand residents in our county.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like a, it's like a large apartment building in some cities.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's 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 like I said. We, it, when you're there, you're, the people are great. The uh, culture is great. Everybody seems to get along. I mean, people, like you said, know each other. I mean, is it is it is that true? I mean, I mean, is is, is a tourist? You know, we see some of the high points, but like, is it a good family feeling? Everybody knows each other. People get along. People are generally happy.
0: Yeah, it's it, it 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 obviously has pros and cons. Uh, so uh, it, it's it's nice in, in the way that Iceland is a very safe environment to bring up families, and uh, uh, there's not a lot of uh, dangers out there uh, aside from maybe uh, you know the. Uh, you know, you can get uh, caught out in, in, in bad weather if, if you're hiking in the mountains somewhere. But uh, in, in terms of crime and, and, uh, and raising kids, it's a relatively safe, popular, uh, safe area. But however, uh, you do get sometimes uh, what I can probably best describe as calling it uh, an island syndrome, where you feel uh, suffocated by, by the, the closeness, and knowing everybody and, and getting away from, from, you know, you, you can't pick your no, pick your nose in the grocery store without somebody finding out.
1: <laughs> so. Everybody knows what's up. Well, you guys, you guys try to, y'all, y'all travel, I mean, internet, well, obviously internationally, if you're leaving Iceland, but I mean, y'all, y'all travel to the States a good bit, Europe a good bit. Yeah. Um, so is that something that's important every year or more than once a year, take your family on a good trip like that?
0: Yeah, we, we my family we travel quite a bit, uh, and, you know, uh, plus uh, 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 we we've gone to uh, did Costa Rica, we've done uh, Spain uh, a few times this year, and, uh, and and the UK and a few more places. We're going to Copenhagen uh, next week for uh, going to the amusement park. They have this uh, amusement park called Tivoli, which uh, is it's like a Christmas a Christmas amusement park, which we've gone to every every year and uh, so yeah getting away from iceland is actually a vital part of living in iceland so <laughs> i yeah, I, often tell per- people, I often tell yeah. people that say oh you live in iceland well how nice and i say yeah it's a really nice place to visit i <laughs> co-sign uh, on that
1: uh love visiting um and it's a pretty quick jump for you to get to like europe or you know i mean that's not a long flight right
0: no definitely not uh, new york is only four and a half hours away and uh, boston similar and uh, and then london is, is three hours and copenhagen about three hours so it's it's, it's not a long, long flight not at all
1: do your kids like to go to these other countries to find McDonald's? Because if yeah. I, I remember correctly, there's no McDonald's in Iceland, right? Yeah,
0: not anymore. It went bust with the banks in 2008. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, it, it, one of the things that they really do enjoy is actually going to McDonald's whenever we're out. <laughs> <away>. That's amazing.
1: <laughs> I remember when I was in Iceland, puffin was, you know, kind of the unique food that we had to try. Yeah. Um, didn't love it. To be honest with you what's what's kind of the culinary flavor of iceland
0: well obviously a lot of fish and uh you know and you have uh like like puffin. you have gamey gamey meats uh like uh, other seabirds and uh, reindeer and then uh, uh icelanders used to eat a lot of whale meat uh, we obviously don't do anymore but you can still find whale meat at some restaurants here uh, and uh so it's it's uh, I I, I I don't know exactly how to describe it, but obviously a lot of sea, uh, seafood and we have really good seafood uh, in Iceland uh, hot dog and cod. So we
1: I had th- some sushi while we were there, which I thought was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, there was there were some meats um, it was expensive. I remember the food was expensive I guess because there's yeah. import prices on a lot of that stuff yeah um, but but it was it was very good um, and, and y'all don't have an army either, right?
0: No, no, no army. No, uh, we have a police force, obviously, and uh, we have a SWAT team for you know uh, the rare occurrences where where they're needed. But uh, police officers don't carry guns, for example. Uh, they do have guns in their cars, but they uh they, they don't have them in their belt, waist belt. So, yeah, uh,
1: what, what are the big sports that y'all follow? I mean, I know that that soccer. Uh, in the 2018 world cup you guys mm-hmm. had a squad that made it and i remember the vikings they would they would yeah, do the do viking that. chance um <laughs> i don't want to make a sore subject but i guess y'all didn't make the 2022 world cup but um soccer big over there i know golf is big what are the sports that y'all follow
0: yeah i i guess soccer is is, is the biggest one and uh, and, and then obviously i still do uh to do, do, do a lot of golf but that's more not not at a competing level, but we have a really good team in handball, which I know is not big in the US. Uh, we do uh, we do relatively good within Europe in basketball, uh, but uh, you know we don't have obviously we don't have uh, American football and uh, there's no baseball in Iceland. So, uh,
1: do do y'all follow any of the American sports? NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, or uh, don't care.
0: Well, uh, NBA is quite popular here and, but it, it's usually, uh, usually people congregate around the big, big matches. So when you have the Super Bowl, a lot of people stay up until late to watch the Super Bowl. And, and, uh, when the NBA is coming to, to its finals, uh, a lot of people watch that. I used to be a huge fan of Chicago Bulls when Michael Jordan was playing in the team, but, uh, I kind of, kind of, kind of lost, uh, lost interest in the past few years.
1: So it's true the Super Bowl really does touch all corners of the globe and people get together to watch it. They say it's the most watched um you know sporting event in the world. How about the Masters? Do y'all watch the Masters golf? That's the other thing they say that everybody gets together to watch.
0: Yeah, well I uh, I know a few people that do actually, but uh, I, I'm I'm not a, I'm waiting uh, to pick up golf until I'm a little bit older.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the kids in work have your time t- spoken for. I remember, so when I was there, I told you we did that um, midnight run, right? Which was um, during during June during the summer solstice, they would start a run at like mm-hmm. ten or eleven o'clock, and you would run th- through midnight because it was still light outside into a party, mm-hmm. um, which was awesome. <laughs> and uh, it was around a golf course. It was right, right. there in Reykjavik was the was the route mm-hmm. um, beautiful, scenic, you know, um, trail. Mm-hmm. How many golf courses, are, are there golf courses like just outside of Reykjavik or are they more scattered throughout the country?
0: Uh, well, the, I, I can think of at least three just uh, within Reykjavik so or, or the metropolitan area. So there's, there's, there's quite a lot of golf courses. I, I, you know, Iceland, Iceland is, we usually pride ourselves in being the, uh, the world champions when it comes to per capita. So we say, oh, we're the best at this, per capita, per capita. capita.
1: (laughs) Well, what I would say is I think that you do have per capita, the most different type of unique experiences to hit Uh over four or five hours. Like we started, is it called the Golden Circle? Is that the the route that you take? So we started Blue Lagoon, totally unique. Mm -hmm. City of Reykjavik, totally unique. Then you get to the geysers, you get to waterfalls, you get to black sand beaches, you get to glaciers. I mean, it's just a... From my perspective, it's a wealth of different natural resources and riches that y'all have, right?
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we're, we're very lucky in that, in terms of that, for sure. So, yeah, there's a lot to see, and you can see a lot, a lot of things in a, because it's a small place. You can see a lot of things in a, a relatively short period of time.
1: Yeah, we took a five or six hour tour and got to see all that stuff. So, yeah. blue La- Blue Lagoon is that one of the main tourist areas? And, and for people that don't know, like, explain what that is.
0: Yeah, so uh, the Blue Lagoon is, is uh, basically it's the uh, the water that co- we have a geothermal plant, and uh, it's wastewater that comes from the geothermal plant that's pumped into the into the into the lava. And 30 years ago or something, uh, a guy he, he thought maybe you know he wanted to try bathing in it and see if he could get rid of his psoriasis, a skin disease, and mm-hmm. by some for some reason, it cleared, completely cleared when he was bathing in the water. And that that started the Blue Lagoon. So you have this remote place in the middle of a lava field close to that uh, volcano that erupted uh, a year and a half ago, uh, to- completely blue uh, in color and uh, with the silica gel in the bottom of, of the lake. And you can bathe in it. And it's it's, it's an amazing experience, like 38 degrees Celsius water. So yeah, uh, like a hundred Fahrenheit. We we were
1: told that <clears throat> that that is exactly right. But we were also told that the best time to go is like after the long flight and your body's kind of tight from sitting on the airplane. Yeah, and it's kind of if I remember correctly, on the way to Reykjavik, you can pass it. So we I remember how we set it up, but we were dropped off there mm-hmm. and went straight from the from the. Uh, from the plane mm-hmm. to the Blue Lagoon, and then you're feeling refreshed, you're feeling good, and ready to uh, ready to experience the rest of Iceland.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, the the, the Blue Lagoon is right in between the, air, the international airport and Reykjavik, so it's it's right on your way, either if you want to go when you when you just touched down or when you're about to go home.
1: Perfect. And the black mm-hmm. sand beaches that was unique to me too. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd not seen that before
0: no and uh, it's it's a beautiful beach and it has a huge uh, undertow the uh, the uh, the waves there that that's the it's it's a constant discussion in Iceland that tourists uh, tourists they, the, tourist, they tend to get too close to the water so they call it uh, a tourist takeaway because the uh, ocean takes away a lot of tourists there
1: Remember you tell me that, that the tourists go and they get in and they try to take pictures and do all this stuff, but the undertow, they very much under um, appreciate. And then that's, that's not a good, not a good
0: outcome, right? No, no, it pulls you out really fast. And it's not, nobody can, no nobody can really save you. So you have well, to, look,
1: Omar, this was too much fun. I, <laughs> I appreciate you taking some time away from your busy law practice and from your 15 year anniversary with your lovely wife. Thank you. Um, <laughs> real quick, how, how the kids doing? They in school. Yeah. Uh, I know that my daughter um, and your daughter they still Snapchat with one another and keep up. <laughs> yeah. But but real, real quickly, how, how the kids doing? What kind yeah. of activities they into?
0: They're they're doing really good. They they actually just uh, they used to be doing gymnastics all the time, but they recently changed into into soccer. I guess that's uh, more hot with their friends and more more popular. So uh, they do a lot of soccer, that, like almost every day. There's a soccer practice. Indoor soccer practices because of the cold. And uh, yeah, so yeah, they're they're doing really well. Getting excited for Christmas. What about you? And, and then
1: yeah, and then they're schooling. I think you were telling me that they start with a class in like kindergarten or first grade and stay with that class throughout. Is that is that right?
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, that, that, that's the case from uh, from six until fifteen. Uh, it's usually pretty much the same group of kids that you're, you're, you're with. So you, you become pretty tight by the end of uh, by the end of uh, elementary school.
1: And the same teacher too? Uh,
0: no, no. They, 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 the teachers usually follow the kids for about two, three years at a time.
1: Okay. Because that's what your wife. Your wife was a teacher,
0: right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she was, not she, she only taught uh, first to fourth grade. So she only had them for four years, and then they were off her hands.
1: <laughs> Very good. Well, I know the family's excited for Christmas. Um, I guess that's a. I mean, you know, that's the picture perfect place in Iceland is uh is Christmas time, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. In Georgia we, we you know, the the white Christmas is always on the on the wish list of everybody, but y'all are guaranteed that, aren't you?
0: Pretty much. <laughs> this this year we're expecting white Christmas. Sometimes it's it, it can't get uh, it's not it's not not uh, always promised, but uh this year I think we're we're in for uh quite a bit of snow.
1: Got it. All right. Well good deal, Omar. Great catching up. Likewise uh, for P- for people that want to want to find you, um, I know you have a website, um, at least on the shirt. Is, that, is it the .s? Is that what the website is? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that's the one. You can so check it people, out. How do people find you?
0: Uh, they can check out uh, esl.is, and they'll wind up at the same website.
1: So is, is is y'all's version of
0: .com? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's country code IS for Iceland. <laughs>
1: Got it. Well, when people are listening and they hear how great Iceland is, except they didn't already know, and they want some uh, some local advice, is it okay if they reach out to you and you can Definitely. tell them all the, all the
0: places to go? I'd be happy to. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. And my family's going to make a trip over there sooner rather than later. So yeah,
0: sounds be, be, great. be on I'll, the lookout for us. I'll take, 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 you, take you on a tour. Give my best to <laughs> on the kids.
1: Fantastic. All right, Omar, thank you. And thank you all for listening. I know that you enjoyed this. A little different, first international podcast for sports and torts. Hope it's a verse of any. And hey, look, we got a trip to Vienna out of this, hopefully. So, exactly. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Uh, if you liked it, please hit that like button, comment, subscribe, do all those things that hey to do. And as always, until next time, keep shopping.